Welcome to a jam-packed ninth episode of the Eyes Have It podcast. I'm Chris Blessing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brent Hershey, in Colorado, where he covered this year's Futures game and draft. How are you today, Brent? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, it's good to be um, out amongst the folks at a ballpark again, of course, and uh, at one of these uh, events, realizing uh, how lucky I am to uh, be here for the Futures game and draft, and uh, yeah, excited to uh, talk about it here on this edition of the podcast. Yeah, I, I'm very envious. It, it looked like an absolutely beautiful day. Was it was it hot in Denver? Uh, no, it, it, it was warm, but uh, low humidity, uh, which was nice, and, and yes, I ended up walking around a good bit, getting from the park to... Uh, to the site of the draft, uh, which was a, a good walk both ways. Um, very pleasant uh, for the summer. I know they had high 90s uh, temperatures earlier, a couple of days before, but uh, this whole weekend has been uh, very good weather-wise. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, we had thunderstorms last night during the draft here, and I was on the, the live uh, simulcast with Prospects Live. If anybody wants to check that out, I'm sure it's archived now. Um, uh, while the thunder and lightning was going on in the background, so you might be actually able to hear when, when I'm on uh, that thunder and lightning, which we should get tonight as well. It's been uh, wreaking havoc on uh, all of these Southeast games, so no idea who's pitching next week because of it. So, um, yeah, so, you know, just the, those those fun things that happen this time of year. Yep, summertime, right? Anyway, welcome to all the listeners, and uh, just a quick reminder that the Eyes Have It brought to you by BaseballHQ.com. Um, especially this time of year, we uh, have a bunch of prospect-oriented material there for subscribers, um, including the article that went up this morning on Monday, uh, which broke down the first the fantasy uh, perspective on the first round of the MLB draft, which we will. Uh, talk more about in our next episode, uh, but that also gets uh, Chris and our team's uh, eyes have it written articles, breakdowns. Um, we'll have a top, a midseason top 50 list for you all in a week or so. Um, anyway, it's a good thing to check out as we head to the second half of the season uh, to help prepare your fantasy teams for that run. So check us out at baseballhq.com slash subscribe. Episode 9 and 10 are both encompassing all the goings-ons in uh, Denver this week. So uh, today's episode will be Futures Game-centric. We will not be talking about the draft. As much as I want to talk about the draft, we would need mm -hmm. two to three hours to talk about the, about both the Futures Game and the draft. So uh, we figured we uh, divide this up uh, with the draft coming next week. So in other words, today Brent will be doing most of the heavy lift lifting since he was at the Futures game, and next week, since I'm the, the draft guy around here, I'll be doing the heavy lifting. It should be a very interesting two weeks here. Usually at this point, we transition to the news and notes segment. Instead, let's get right into this Futures game uh, with a look at the goings-on during batting practice. 
Brent, we have our we we actually gave our audience last week a primer on how we evaluate a prospect showcase like the futures game. Would you like to you know maybe give a little bit of a review of how uh, you look at batting practice in a game like this uh, compared to a regular batting practice you would see before a Jersey Shore Blue Claws game? Sure. Um, I mean, this the futures batting practice has really come to be kind of its own mini event. Uh, you know, as a media. We're allowed on the field, you know, kind of in that warning track area behind home plate there. Um, and, you know, the players know it, obviously. There's a big uh, crowd there. You know, and the, the positive of that is that, you know, there might be some extra juice from guys knowing that there's people there watching. I mean, there's a lots of uh, folks taking video um, and kind of, you know, also taking notes from, from what they see. So there's an additional level kind of in, of intent for guys than than what you find on you know a Wednesday afternoon like you said at, at Jersey Shore where there's you know maybe three or four scouts sitting down the line but the but the you know kind of the negative part of that is it, it can sort of tighten guys up too I mean they they know that this is a showcase uh, event guys deal with that differently uh, some guys uh, you know can put it out of their mind and use that to thrive other guys perhaps can uh, tighten up a little bit, you know, in that, in, in that sense, it's almost, sometimes I'd prefer to see, uh, almost sort of the regular batting practice, you know, like one is that it's during, like I said, like a Wednesday afternoon or something like that. Um, but in general, I think, you know, that it's going to define what we're looking for in, in BP, regardless of the situation. And what I look for anyway, is kind of hard contact basically is the, the first thing and kind of the, tra- the, tra- the trajectory of that, excuse me, contact is it, you know, is it mostly line drives? Is it mostly hard fly ball contact? Is there a lot of stuff beaten into the ground? Um, you know, and kind of related for hitters, uh, you know, the the strength question is sort of in there. Uh, you know, are these are these batting practice hits, you know, going over the fence with regular regularity, or are they? Uh, you know, dying on the warning track, that kind of thing. And, and you know, also really is that just how the ball comes up off the bat, does it seem to carry further than what you would immediately see? And uh, certainly with situations like the All-Star game, like the Futures game, VPs, where this is kind of the cream of the crop, uh, that happens quite often um, that you're kind of, wow, I mean, that, that ball really carries. A couple other quick things. I mean, just ability to use the whole field, guys that are uh, going through their batting practice rounds and kind of spraying balls to the opposite field. I think it's just something that tells us that that's uh, something that they practice and that will happen uh, or is more likely to happen in the game. And just, uh, you know, a look at the swing itself, trying to ascertain kind of that path. Uh, is there natural loft to that swing or is it more flat currently? How noisy or quiet, uh, how much movement there is in, in the guy's kind of load? Uh, you know, is he using a high leg kick or more of a, a toe tap and timing device? All that sort of stuff is what I look for in, in, uh, when I'm looking at a, any, any one of these batting practices. When we're talking about batting practice and scouting the batting practice, uh, uh, looking at the mechanism of the swing uh, in game, you're not always able to see what the supposed intent is with a guy's swing. So 
seeing that in batting practice is always a premium thing when you go and evaluate a player. And uh, in the futures game, it's it's a little hard prior to the futures game because, for instance, guys are trying to show out. So, you know, some guys yeah. mechanically just get absolutely out of sorts uh, <laughs> and actually look better in the game. So, like, yeah. that's something that we all have to kind of, you know, take into account. Just jump into this. Let's get to your future game batting practice looks by first talking about the American League hitters. Who were some of the names that impressed you the most uh, during these batting practice groups? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll make a note first. I mentioned <laughs> when I was standing there with a couple of people that the first AL group was an amazing quartet. You had Bobby Witt Jr., Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman and Jared Kelnick, pretty much those four guys, uh, we haven't done finished our top 50 yet, but even in our top 100, those were all top 10 guys in this one round. I'll put those guys aside for a second uh, because a lot of them are, you know, uh, we've covered before or have had some various reports. But the three guys I want to just quickly mention is uh, Riley Green, the first one from, from Detroit, outfielder. Really notice his long kind of athletic body. He's more of a kind of hard liners guy right now, hitting more low line drives. Not not that he didn't get under some stuff, and and certainly he put some he put some out. But the majority of his contact was of the you know the line drive hard line drive variety. I mean, with his build, you could see uh, you know him going developing some more home run power. The the swing has uh, you know some lift to it. He's one that uh, a week ago uh, I got a chance to see uh, travel up to Somerset Double A to see the Erie squad. And actually, you were talking. We were talking about the weather before uh, the the game actually got rained out. But beforehand, uh, it it was it was a late afternoon storm, and the batting we got batting practice in. I happened to be there for that. And being uh, having seen that, and pretty much. Being impressed with Green there, I pretty much saw the same thing here at the Futures game, too. I mean, just kind of just kind of rockets all around the field. He was willing to go opposite field uh, with power. He was able to pull the ball. Um, and so Green was one that stood out to me. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, Green kind of had a pretty big game. We'll kind of get a little bit to that shortly. Uh, I imagine uh, you also got to see his teammate, Spencer Torkelson. Is that correct? Yeah, he's the second guy I was going to talk about also. And, you know, this is, again, the batting practice that Torkelson put on is different in green uh, than greens, as we were talking before, in that his shots are all, are not all, but more of the just like long fly ball kind of majestic uh, home run power shots. And again, both at, uh, both at Somerset earlier last week and yesterday, uh, that's what he continued to do. Every swing almost seems like he gets the, you know, the meat part of the bat on the ball. If he puts the backspin on it or whatever, I mean, it just it just just continues to carry, and uh, like I said, is is more of a home run swing than Green is at this point. In his numbers, uh, he's not just a kind of a rip and grip and huge strikeout guy uh, all or nothing. He's he's likely gonna uh, be able to hit for average too. Uh, which obviously for our purposes uh, makes it quite valuable. Yeah, you know, I always like hearing about guys like Torkelson because uh, 
those are for me the funnest uh, BPs to watch or the guys that they really understand who they are and how to go through a batting practice. Uh, you'll you'll even get into the big leagues and not see guys be able to do that. But in the minor leagues, when a guy understands uh, what he's working on, that every motion is is for purpose. Uh, and, and that's one thing that you see in batting practices, especially in like high A, low A, uh, there's not purpose behind what they're trying to do. Uh, they're just trying to hit the ball out. And it sounds like Torkelson and even Green during this during this batting practice session that you got last week and, and yesterday, uh, we're, we're recording on Monday, it sounds like they're guys that, that came into their batting practices with a purpose, not just to hit tape measure shots. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you, you could see that. And again, uh, much like with Green, uh, what I saw yesterday out of Torkelson was very similar to what I saw out of him uh, on that Tuesday mm-hmm. afternoon in, in Somerset. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see. I mean, Torkelson is uh, more, like I said, jaw-dropping sort of uh, home run powered did you see how far that ball went sort of guy? You've already gone through the Tigers prospect. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> obviously, uh, we know Brent's not a Tigers homer, but uh, that, that they just were the names that kind of impressed him. Was there anybody uh, non-Tigers prospect in the American <laughs> League that impressed you? Yeah, and, and this, is, uh, this is just, you know, this is someone that's just produced more than what I uh, thought. And that's uh, Jeter Downs from the Red Sox. Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, it, it certainly he's not in, you know, Green or Torkelson's class or, or any of these other big names, uh, you know, the Wits or the Rutschmans and that sort of thing. But it just was one of these things that was surprising. I had come into, uh, had come into this, uh, not knowing, not having seen Downs at all, uh, but kind of getting the sense that, you know, he's a, he's a major league shortstop probably or major league infielder. I think there's some questions on that yet. There um, are. But from, from the hit side, you know, there's maybe not one outstanding sort of carrying tool. And I don't know if I'd go there and say that the power is going to be there, but he definitely showed uh, more loud contact and even home run power uh, in his several rounds of BP than, than what I expected. I saw downs on the backfields when he was with the Dodgers, and it was a very impressive uh, batting practice. Play. He only got one, uh, one or two bats in the in the actual game, but uh, he was working out with the minor leaguers and was called up to the major league game that day. And that was my only shot at him during my trip to Arizona. I forget what year it was. It was either 2018 or 2019. It's all a yeah. blur after COVID. So uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, and, one of the things in the game, just to point out, uh, yeah, uh, Jeter Downs had to fourth highest uh, exit velocity of any any guy yesterday. Uh, Bobby Witt had the top one. Drew Waters and Brennan Davis were, were just behind Witt. And uh, Downs, uh, I think it was the double that he hit to left field, right? He hit a double, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, he was one that really tattooed a ball to the left center field gap and, and got a double out of that. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it is something that showed up in the game, too. It, it wasn't just a kind of batting practice creation. So, I mean, just something to tuck away for, for Downs, uh, I think, as uh, as he continues his development there in, in the high minors for Boston. Moving on, let's get to your National League uh, batting practice look. Who stood out for you? 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to put two guys in a separate category because we talked about both of them uh, just last week, kind of, uh, and that's Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez from the Mets. Uh, a lot like what I was mentioning was seeing Green and Torkelson ahead of time. Uh, what I saw out of Beatty and Alvarez uh, both yesterday uh, did nothing to dis- dissuade uh, my excitement about them uh, in batting practice, uh, and I'll. You know, just keep it short. I mean, Beatty's, Beatty's short swing, he was hitting hard contact all over the place. And Alvarez's, uh, you know, bat speed when you're down there at field level uh, watching him, I mean, it, it's just vicious. <laughs> uh, wow. it, it's, it's amazing. And, and he has, you know, he has an odd setup, and, but somehow is on time all the time, it seems. Uh, and again, you saw, you know, we saw the rocket home run that he hit late, uh, the liner that, yeah, what barely got off the ground. Uh, and, and that was, uh, certainly indicative of what we were seeing in batting practice, both hard liners and, and long stuff. Uh, a couple other guys were, uh, Nolan Gorman, which is one of the guys I mentioned last night or last, excuse me, last week, uh, that I wanted to see because I hadn't seen him as I, you know, I'd mentioned on. Twitter, he's certainly filled out physically, his developed upper body, you know, and kind of strength throughout uh, his frame. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a solidly built player. Lefty swing, and, and again, he's one that the, that the balls just come off the bat uh, hard, you know, good carry. It's a, you know, it's a mix of like hard liners, uh, which you saw in the game. He put one, you know, down the line into the corner for a double. Uh, and also big blast. He was one that uh, hit the upper deck in right field, you know, and just was kind of hitting a hitting a lot of stuff with authority. Brent, did anybody get to the fourth level up in the outfield in right field? I'm I'm kind of curious about that. I was looking at the layout of the stadium yesterday, and uh, if I was a hitter, especially a lefty, I'd try to tank one all the way to the fourth fourth level. Uh, anybody get there? Uh, I don't. Not that I saw oh. uh, not that I saw there was a couple third deck shots I don't have offhand who those were in right field um, yeah but uh, but yeah I mean it's certainly I mean this will come out after the home run derby but I know that that'll be a target for the MLB guys for sure yeah yeah I'm sure uh, I know that like in um, when we were in Miami together it was getting over the the old sculpture that used to be in the, the sculpture right park. I mean, Lone yeah. Depot Park now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I, I hated to interrupt there, but I, I was just curious since you were talking about Gorman's uh, hitting into the upper deck. I thought that maybe maybe there was a chance Gorman, because he was actually one of the hitters I had circled. As, if I had gone, same thing. I, I was interested in seeing his power as well. Yeah. And, like, you know, I think about when you look at uh, his the trajectory of his season so far, you know, he sort of killing it at double A, then moving up to triple A. He's, he struggled some there, but his, you know, his K percentage, his strikeouts have kind of held steady. I mean, I think he's always going to strike out a good bit, which is a positive given how, you know, the other parts of his game haven't shown up there, I, I believe. But, you know, again, seeing seeing uh, him live in batting practice, uh, I think he'll he'll be a, you know, a solid fantasy producer. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Do you have anybody else? Yeah, just again, uh, a little bit in the... Jeter Downs frame of mind is uh, I was impressed with Alec Thomas's uh, runner from uh, yeah from Arizona outfielder 
he's, you know, a bit smaller built. Uh, he's listed at 5'11", 175. But again, uh, you wouldn't necessarily notice that if you were just looking at the quality of contact. Um, he was hitting the hard line drives like we, you know, a theme here, kind of everywhere, uh, spraying it around the field. You know, he got a couple uh, over the fence uh, in the same way sort of uh, Downs did. But, you know, shooting stuff a lot around the field, um, a short kind of compact swing, a solid look to to the swing um, MVP and, uh, you know, just stood out because of that relative kind of pop that he showed, you know, and, and, and seemed to have good athletic actions in the box uh, that he'll be able to make adjustments from. And, uh, you know, Thomas is someone like Gorman that I had not seen live at all, certainly left a positive impression for me. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. You know, Thomas, and I'm not sure you uh, you realize this, but his dad is the, the strength and conditioning uh, um, coordinator, you know, in charge of strength and conditioning for the Chicago White Sox. So uh, it's not a surprise that uh, this guy's uh, built solidly for a five foot eleven, 175-pound guy. Yeah, I actually, I do remember hearing that, but had forgotten about it. So it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it does make some sense that way. Let's move on to the Futures game recap, uh, something that we've never really done here before. I'm going to take a shot at it. We'll see how that goes. Uh, before diving into our scouting look segment, of course, uh, the the game was only seven innings long, which I, I think is something. And I don't know about you, Brent. Do you think that the seven inning game is uh, not really showcasing everybody in a proper way? <laughs> I think that's an easy question. That's a softball question. And of course, I think yeah. it's, uh, I think it's sort of crazy that we can't just play uh, a full nine innings. You know that they have enough pitchers there. When when you get guys, you know, like whatever Max Meyer, who throws what seven eight pitches and they pull them out, yeah, uh, because they're trying they're trying to get everybody in. I mean, it seems you know it seems like well, what you know why why are we playing this uh, silly seven inning exhibition game when it could well be nine innings and we could get these guys. Uh, you know, all an inning or something like that on the staff. I, I, I just, uh, yeah, it's sort of sort of baffling to me. But uh, we're glad to have what we have. So. Yeah, the only the only real benefit was uh, Latroy Hawkins being mic'd, uh, which you didn't get to hear. Uh, no. Latroy Hawkins had great great uh, comments uh, during pitching changes. Uh, the best was uh, was the the lefty for uh, the Angels. Uh, God, I can't. Jan, uh, Jan when he uh-huh. came in. He told the catcher Bo Naylor, he's like, "You need to set up in the middle of the plate. This guy has control issues." And well, like, I think Naylor said something you couldn't hear him, and Hawkins got really serious and was like, "No, he can't throw strikes." It, it was it was <laughs> great. Like Latroy Hawkins, who I've met uh, when when the Twins were uh, yeah. here in the Southern League, he's he's a very good guy, very nice guy, very jovial. Uh, so yeah. it was great hearing him. Uh, uh, he was the to me was the best uh, mic'd up uh, guy during the whole game just for those uh, sound bites. And well, anyway, let's get back to this recap. The National League beat the American League eight to three, and they were led by a great a great pitching for at least six innings and the home run ball, which is, is including two home runs by Cubs prospect Brennan Davis, who we'll talk about in detail shortly. Uh, National League pitching held AL hitting to a measly single by. Previously mentioned, Tigers prospect Riley Green, 
And that was through six innings before they erupted for three runs and four hits in the seventh off of Brewers prospect, Ethan Small. Uh, Green finished with two hits. Red Sox prospect Jeter Downs, who we've already mentioned, had the only extra base hit from the American League, who also received a notable pitching performance from Braves' Shane Baz. And really, that was the only pitcher that really stood out on their team for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I had I had a tougher time. Yeah, I think because of these short outings, uh, yep. trying to trying to uh, gauge uh, who will who to talk about uh, when you just have those one in. Uh, in addition to the National League, Cubs prospect Brennan Davis, uh, Reds prospect Jose Barrio, uh, Rockies prospect Michael uh, Tequila, and uh, Mets prospect Francisco Alvarez, previously mentioned, went deep for the National League. They also received stellar pitching performances throughout. Especially notable frames were turned in by Cardinals prospect Matthew Libertor and Nationals prospect Cade Cavalli. Did I get everything right? <laughs> I think you got most of the things right. Uh, I, I, one word on Cavalli. I thought, uh, you know, this is someone that we had, I had seen early in the season. We talked about on an early episode here. Though he, you know, threw a whole inning. Um, it, it was interesting to me that when I saw him back in May, uh, he was kind of sitting 93, 95. Uh, I think he topped out at 97 there. Control wasn't great. But uh, but yesterday, you know, he was consistently 98, 99, topped 100 several times, uh, was definitely seeming to have more problems throwing strikes, walked two guys and kind of uh, while he did have two strikeouts, it just it made me wonder if he was kind of amped up a little bit. And, you know, given it's a showcase thing, he's only throwing one inning. He came out firing and I think that was on purpose. Uh, he didn't want to throw a, a secondary pitch, and, and it was pretty wow. far into the uh, into the into the game that he threw a secondary pitch. But when he did, and that's why I included him, it was a spectacular secondary pitch. Uh, yeah. You could see why you were impressed with him, and why the industry has uh, gotten so high on on him. He he is uh, one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. Let's move into our live look segment. We're gonna. Uh, break down a couple players here in detail from the futures game and add in some uh, extra goodies. Uh, the first one is uh, the, is the MV who turned out to be the MVP of the game uh, Cubs outfielder, Brennan Davis. What's interesting about this is that uh, Chris, you got to see him with his double a club uh, in two separate occasions last week. Um, and this was my first uh, in-person look at Davis in uh in the futures game here but ahead of time it was because of because of knowing that it was uh something that we uh talked about is it wouldn't it be interesting to focus in on davis specifically uh he's had a great start to the season the reports on him so far have been outstanding at double a and uh certainly it's a guy with the athleticism uh to kind of really uh wow us as as fantasy players I'll say that uh, for me, uh, knowing that going into watching um, his batting practice rounds, I came away, um, you know, not 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 wild. Basically, he his batting practice was was fine. Um, he hit some uh, hit some good shots, uh, miss hit uh, some balls too. You know, just just to say that amongst all the 
stars there at batting practice. It was not one for me that necessarily stood out. But I was interested uh, then, obviously, in the game, uh, the two home runs, including that sort of monster shot the center field. And I was like, okay, yeah, now I see mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? And uh, But I'm interested to, uh, Chris, your impressions of Davis for the couple games that you sat in on him last week, uh, as well as things that stood out to you from yesterday. I had a great look at Brennan Davis. I saw him at his premium and at his best, uh, which is what you saw him at. And I, I commented on somebody's tweet. They never commented back, obviously, but I commented on somebody's tweet that said they were looking forward to seeing Brennan Davis. And I mean, they were getting him hot, hot and heavy. Guy was seeing the ball really well last week, uh, mostly against subpar competition. So it was really nice to see him do this against uh, against better competition. You know, it made my report a little bit stronger. Uh, I'll have a full written report for uh, listeners on Tuesday of this week. But anyway, getting to getting to Davis look, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me uh, for such a big guy, big guys, guys with long levers tend to have uh, big holes in their their coverage, and usually the coverage is inside. And so Brennan Davis and the the Cubs, it's pretty obvious that they've worked on this. Uh, in recent years, maybe in recent months, maybe even recent weeks, they have him pretty far back in the in the in the batter's box. He's in a corner that you don't normally see guys in uh, at the back of the back of the box, and that's uh, almost as far outside of the box. But he has the long levers; that he can cover cover plate, and uh, he does a really good job of that. Uh, in my look, uh, I saw him hit one, two, three. Four, five hard contact uh, um, shots. Uh, and, and what was really awesome about that was uh, they were all to different fields. The guy uh, peppered everything. He hit two balls uh, off the wall. Uh, I think in Colorado, both of those balls would have been out. Uh, actually, one of the hard contacts was slammed off the right center field wall. And Chattanooga has a, a, a high wall on right center field that's protecting a choo-choo because, you know, the Chattanooga choo-choo. And, and I've only seen a few guys left-handed hit balls, off, you know, over that fence. To see a righty go to right center field like that, he was only maybe three more feet away from, from clearing that wall. Also got to see him on the bases. He stole a base. You know, out of the box, his finish doesn't really allow him to get a jailbreak out to first base from home plate. It's hard to get a good home to first time on him. Uh, uh, it doesn't really take into account how fast he actually is, but he's he's at least an average runner when it, when you know running in space, maybe even above average. And he swiped that base pretty much with ease. Uh, read the pitcher's yeah. move and 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 went along with it. You know, this guy has a a package that we love. Yes, there's going to be some strikeouts. He did struggle a bit in the Futures game, uh, that first at bat, but second and third at bat, he he just pounded the ball, right? Yeah, I was gonna, that's going to be a question for you because, uh, yeah, that first at bat, it was a three-pitch at bat against uh, Shane Boz, who we'll talk about a little bit later, and it was uh, 95 fouled off, 97 fouled off, and 97 swing and miss. Uh, and, you know, it, once that happened, that was on top of kind of a, eh, batting practice for me I was like oh well Chris let's uh, let's see something here because I knew uh, had some inkling you had a positive experience with him 
did you see anything in your looks last week that said, uh, you know, the high velocity like that, given Boz's 95, 97 up there, but was there anything uh, in those looks last week that said that Davis struggles specifically with uh, extra hard stuff? No, not at all. I think uh, Boz beat him, just simply beat him, uh, yeah. uh, especially location on that pitch. He was able to foul off uh, two high velocity pitches. And, you know, yeah. that's a that's an indication. When, when I say uh, somebody is having trouble with velocity, I usually mean a guy that is, you know, looking really bad when he's uh, making these swings. And, and, you know, let's be honest, Boz has, uh, is making a lot of people look bad right now. Uh, so, like... Sure. Uh, you know, it was good pitching beat good hitting. Uh, and then the yeah. next with bats, uh, good hitting beat, uh, I forget who he hit his first home run off of. Uh, the second home run off of was, was a solid pitcher, a major league pitcher, but I, I'm, you know, not, not really yeah. impressed to the point that it was yeah. like, oh, wow, this is, it, it's a relief pitcher that he's going to see sometime, some way, somewhere down the line, uh, in his, right. in his battles. Yeah. So like I'm not really concerned about that. I am a little concerned if if I am concerned about anything, especially with these type of guys. And we've seen it with uh, with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Is you know these bigger guys, and mind you, he's not as big as as Judge, but these bigger athletic dudes tend to tend to have more injuries. So that's mm-hmm. one concern I do have is. Uh, he is a player that goes all out when he's playing and, uh, you know, being a bigger frame guy, the wear and tear, the, the sudden starts and stops, they tend to tend to get to them as they age. So that's one concern I do have with him. The prime might not be as fruitful as people w- will believe, just like Stanton. Uh, I mean, his great years are his great years, but, uh, you know, he's sure, been right. banged up and, uh, uh, Judge has had some issues with being banged up and being consistent, and uh, those type of things tend to tend to get to bigger guys. And I think he's listed six four. It looks bigger. He actually looks like six five out there. Six five, six yeah. six. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of that is his posturing. He, he uh, has really good posture. He's very straight up. Uh, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. those uh, the curvatures of the shoulders or anything like that. Uh, so yeah. like. That that's one of my worries with Davis is that there might be some injury issues, and you hate to even say that at this point. But you know, you look at track records of similar bodied guys, and 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 that's something that as an evaluator you've got to think about when 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 recommending somebody. But I'm not going to tell anybody not to go after him because of you know maybe four or five years from from now he might be hard to roster healthy. Like I mean, go I think- after him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the one uh, mitigating thing there is that, you know, the athleticism certainly is there, uh, which helps to think that perhaps, uh, you know, he can can stay away uh, from the injury bug because of uh, having a larger frame. Um, but yeah, he's listed at, you know, whatever, 6'4", at this point. You figure, I mean, he's 21, you figure perhaps he gets a little bit bigger. But I think the I mean, I, in my short looks anyway, it would seem, uh, my hope would be the, that the athleticism, uh, lessens kind of the injury impact. Mm-hmm. Though, though obviously, uh, you know, it can happen to anyone. Uh, even yeah. Great, uh, great athletes like, uh, Buxton or whatever can, can struggle with that for a long yeah. time. And speaking of, uh, of being a good athlete, uh, 
Uh, for people that don't know Davis's history, uh, he was a graduate of Basha High School in, in the Phoenix area and was a two-sport star and, and wasn't a full-time baseball player until he was really drafted. So uh, again, this is, this is a guy that's just very athletically gifted who you would think would be a little bit further behind in the development because of that. Uh, but he's a guy that really took to Cubs coaching and every report we've had through the years, uh, and we've been, we've been fairly high on him, uh, comparable to the industry somewhat. Uh, I think, I think the industry is a little higher on him now than what we were, but early on, we were, we were some of the highest people on, uh, Brennan Davis. So, yeah. uh, it, it, and it, a lot of it has to do is ability to make adjustments is paramount because that's what we're looking for in the minor leagues when we project guys. We're trying to project them to make adjustments. And Brennan Davis has shown time and time again, just like you know, another bigger guy, Pete Alonso with the Mets, uh, when he got drafted, you know, people said, ah, oh, he's not going to hit enough to to let the power play. But you know, and he struggled the last two years with the BA. But uh, you know, Alonso has always been a guy that's been able to make that next adjustment. So I, I'm very enthusiastic uh about how i feel about davis yeah yeah and uh i think it's it's good and for fantasy perspective certainly uh the mix like you said of uh power and speed um at his body with his athleticism i think is certainly someone is is uh, an important aspect for rostering him or uh having him being a part of uh you know your keeper or dynasty league I know you also wanted to talk a little bit about someone we just mentioned, uh, race pitcher Shane Boz. Uh, what what stood out to you in his about him in his inning yesterday? Well, I'm going to just say the first thing was his last pitch, which was a called strike against uh, Michael Harris the second. I can't believe that Michael Harris didn't swing at a ball and strike him. Uh, because like it was such a perfect pitch uh, for those who weren't watching it just painted the inside corner 98 miles per hour uh high efficiency fastball uh and that's kind of what i saw we we've talked a little bit about baz uh at the site and now uh on twitter and also in the podcast a bit and one of the things that has always stood out to me was a future uh, fall stars game actually where he uh, came in relief i actually saw him multiple times in relief in the in the afl that year and uh you know we saw him best in best as a reliever and this year you know just by watching on video it's 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 completely changed my perspective and so here i am watching this game wanting to see how the secondary pitches uh have fared and you know we only got the one slider to uh to the Rockies uh infield prospect what's his name Ryan uh Velade Velade mm-hmm. yeah Ryan Velade we got a slider uh to him uh but we got to see some change-ups during the Harris Harris at bat uh including one that like he swung at this is this is classic Harris uh uh ball was uh uh pretty much six feet out of the strike zone. He made contact for a foul ball, six feet, six inches, whatever. Uh, yeah. uh, but was way out of the zone, and he still uh, still made a swing and got got good contact foul off of it. But uh, one of his swinging strikes was on that changeup that just, uh, just dived out of the zone. It looks to me like Shane Baz has 
as the rest, you know, what we want, the requirements that we kind of look for to be a learn long-term starter and has, uh, I'll say probably has popped up into my top 30. No, for sure. I mean, I think the, and I think the thing that stood out to me, uh, with regards to Boz too, is just the, you know, the general improvement, uh, in his control and command, uh, over this year for sure. And, and here it is today, you know, here it is from the futures game through 10 pitches to get through that one, two, three inning with two strikeouts. Eight of them were strikes. So he's, he's certainly found a way to make his stuff work, uh, in the strike zone. And the combination of the uh, movement velocity on the fastball, uh, along with the changeup and other off-speed stuff, uh, I think really bodes well for uh, his fantasy and and just general MLB future. Um, and of course, add that uh, onto the fact that uh, we kind of think that the Rays know what they're doing uh, with uh, pitching, given their success there. Uh, I think the the future is is pretty bright for Boz. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Another guy that has uh, interested Brent uh, is a guy that Brent saw at the High A Wilmington, who I saw at, uh, I guess now we can call it Low A Lexington. Rest in peace, Low A uh, Lexington. Uh, Mm -hmm. The legends are now independent baseball, I I believe. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, But that guy was Kansas City Royals first base prospect, Nick Prado, who... I'm going to tell you, even in my look in, uh, I guess it's 2017 now was really rough. It was a yeah. former high school, uh, uh, top high school hit tool who just didn't really show much of a hit tool, kind of got way out of sorts and, and really looked bad, uh, which I know is kind of what you, uh, saw with Prado, uh, when we were, uh, you know, talking about him off air the other day. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> You know, yeah, Prado, I mean, was a very high pick, number 14 overall um, in 2017. Um, it's actually his, his year in low A, uh, stats-wise, the first full season in 2018 um, was decent, hit 280, uh, you know, had 14 home runs. Uh, but then in 2019, went to high A, Wilmington, and I, I saw a bunch of him, and it was, uh, it was really <laughs> not good. He just, you know, his batting average ended up at 191. There was no power, really. Uh, struck out 35% of the time. I, you know, it, it was pretty much that I had written him off at that point. I said, okay, even though this guy was a, a mid-first-round pick a couple years ago, I mean, there's just uh, not much here, from especially from a fantasy perspective. Uh, he's always been really good first baseman defensively, um, but obviously – for our purposes in fantasy, uh, you want that to be tagged with or in conjunction with a, a hit tool or some sort of power uh, that kind of justifies him on your keeper league roster. And really, at the end of 2019, uh, once that season had gone by, uh, I had kind of written him off for that. He's always had a decent eye, uh, but he just was often too passive. And like I said, it was just not driving the ball really at all. We got some, got some word though that, uh, he was assigned to the alternate site during the pandemic, um, last year in 2020. And, uh, turns out he reworked his swing and came out, you know, in spring training, just a, a totally different hitter. Uh, I remember checking the 
we're seeing the highlights and box scores from there. And I'm like, wow, Nick Prado is like hitting home runs and, and hitting for average. And when in talking with some contacts, it was someone that they brought up as yes, his, you know, timing is just so much better. His, uh, his swing passes improved and he just started barreling, uh, barreling everything. Um, and it's continued really so far this year at double A. They moved him up. Uh, he's a 276 with a 407 on base and a 593 slugging. He's already matched his career high with 14 home runs. And he's, you know, cut his K rate, uh, down from 35% that it was in high A to sort of a much more manageable 28%. I mean, not pristine, but certainly in this day and age, uh, not, uh, not overly worrisome and in double a he's being much more selective too his walk rates up to 16 percent so he was uh definitely someone i was interested in um watching uh knowing that he was coming to this the game uh this weekend and he definitely uh put on a standout bp yesterday i mean it just confirmed kind of that his timing is much better uh, he was getting out in front of stuff and really you know really putting that charge into the ball not in a way that I had seen uh, a couple of years ago at high A. And as, you know, as we think about going forward as a first baseman, he's not going to be a power only slugger type, um, but he's definitely on track to be a, you know, a quality MLB starter probably won't hit for a super high batting average uh, because of the swing and miss, but you know, he's likely a 20, 25 home run guy with outstanding OBP. And one of these guys that will, likely play a lot because he's he'll be a plus defender at first base he'll you know he'll uh help out that that infield uh with his defensive play he went uh 0 for 1 as a starter in the game uh as a first base starter for the al um but he worked a walk uh which is certainly in his mo and then in the second at bat uh grounded out sharply to for to, into a fielder's choice that uh Bryson Stott really made a nice play uh, to his left uh, out of the out of the second base position. Um, you know, it was a hard hit ball that uh, that uh, was just not far away from getting through for a single, and Stott made a great play. So I think, uh, although the you know there wasn't wasn't a wow moment in the game mm-hmm. for Prado, uh, the the combination of that and uh, what we saw on BP and kind of what where his trajectory has has been going over the past year or so really uh is promising and, and certainly someone that's back on my radar as a, a dynasty owner myself and as a keeper league owner as my uh myself uh, uh earlier this year after you know kind of digging into some of his spring training at bat i ended up picking up prado in multiple leagues uh prado is yeah. a guy that like you know we we tend to sleep on first base prospects you know the the big names always get picked up and, and and maybe some big names that we end up uh, uh, not always being right on. Uh, one, one guy that kind of fits this little category that I never was really that impressed with, not like uh, not like Prado, uh, is uh, Evan White. Evan White was not a guy that I was really that mm-hmm. impressed with. And, uh, you know, uh, I would dare to say uh, the roster percentage of Prado right now compared to White at this point in his career is that White probably was rostered in more leagues. And I think that a guy like Prado, yes, is a first base only type guy, 
Uh, I, I really do believe that like Prado's a major league, at least above average offensive uh, producer. I also think he's going to give you the average. He's going to give you the on-base percentage, and he's also going to hit a good bit of home runs. And I, you know, I would really think that it might actually be more than 25 home runs. I think that's a, a good projection. But uh, these guys with the underlying hit tools, and just to go back to the 2017 draft, I was told by many people that, that Prado had the best hit tool of any of the prep guys coming out. So uh, I, this is a great cat right now. Uh, especially with a lot of, you know, managers probably not paying attention to him and rankings not putting him in the top 50 or or, or so it's because he's a first baseman. But like, I bet on Prado more than, than some of the guys in the 30 to 50 range in, in a lot of these lists that I've seen because uh, I think I think he's figured it out. I think that the the uh, this kid was a smart kid, and uh, as he said on the broadcast yesterday, uh, he realized that he was all out of sorts he was trying to be somebody he wasn't so he got back to basics uh along with the royal coaching help and was able to transform himself back into the player everybody expected when they uh when the royals drafted him yeah i mean it's just uh you know thinking about it from a keeper or dynasty perspective it's just the the cycles and i think you're exactly right i mean i did the same thing uh this spring picked him up in at least one maybe more uh league leagues where uh, because of his poor showings uh, through the 2019 season, uh, people had given up on him and dropped him. Yeah, obviously, these, as we're always reminded, uh, these are kids and they're still <laughs> learning and developing, taking in coaching. Uh, and obviously, this was a, a, a great example of a player who definitely went through a downturn going mm-hmm. into skids and has recovered so far. And, you know, He's still, you know, at double A, so he's not uh, not super close to the majors. But uh, if he keeps doing this, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up a triple A by the end of the season. And, and uh, you know, we could see him in the majors at some point uh, next year. And again, if you are able to pick someone up, someone like that up during this downturn at the beginning of the re-upturn, uh, it can be certainly a benefit for your roster in, in multiple ways. Well, that ends our live look segment for today. I think we got uh, some good information on the three players that we covered. As I mentioned at the top of the show, next week's episode will be all about the draft, uh, which is going on as we record this right now. I saw that Ryan Bliss got picked by the Diamondbacks, a, a guy that I'm sure we'll be talking about since I've seen him before. Uh, however, the article writing in the live looks will keep churning along. Uh, at this site this week, check out my article on Cubs prospects Brennan Davis and Christopher uh, Morell, uh, which should hit tomorrow. I'm still writing that, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then on Thursday, check out my first-year player draft potential rating buckets article, which is the first time anyone at Baseball HQ will slap a potential rating grade on any of the recent draftees. It's uh, one of my favorite articles uh, of the year, and uh, if you're thinking about subscribing, this is the article to subscribe for. And then to get all the other awesome uh, uh, content. Because uh, I kind of yeah. look at the potential ratings as a amateur uh, a draft scout, as they call it. Not an amateur scout. Uh, you're, you are uh, scouting non-pro guys when you see them. But, uh, you know, just to make that correlation, we're talking about the draft. I'm not an amateur. I know what I'm doing. Yes, and I will also, I'm excited about, we'll have a, a written piece 
on this Baseball HQ site this week uh, with some additional futures game thoughts. It will be running in the speculator space and should be out on Wednesday. So I'm excited to, uh, to contribute to our uh, futures game content blast, uh, like we said, uh, at this point in the season. I am also going to be out at the ballpark scouting Pittsburgh Pirates prospects. The Greensboro Grasshoppers come to town. Uh, I, if you nice. look at any of the sort of uh, ranking sites, uh, a good bit of the Pirates' top prospects are on that team. Uh, the hope yeah. is to see Nick Gonzalez. Also to see, uh, hopefully back from the Futures game, Quinn Priester. Uh, so And others. There's tons of guys on those teams. Uh, I'd name them all, but I don't want to uh, miss the names or, or even mispronounce the names. There's certainly, yeah, there's certainly uh, that Greensboro team looks like uh, would be a, a will be a fun be a fun team to sit on for a couple of days. I mean, that's my hope. I I might be out there all four days. I I leave for a convention for my other work on Saturday, so hopefully Priester pitches Thursday or Friday, so uh, I can come back with the scouting report. But uh, for those pirate fans out there, there's going to be a lot of uh, pirate content coming your way. Uh, Brent, do you have anything planned for this week? I likely will not get to the park uh, this week. Uh, we'll be, like as I mentioned, uh, putting together some of all this uh, experience from the weekend, especially the Futures game. Um, and then I am uh, taking a short family vacation next uh, weekend. One of the things I am excited about is uh, our group will be putting together a mid-season top 50 list that will should be out in a week or 10 days. And so I'll be starting to coordinate that. But this week specifically, I probably will not end up at a ballpark, um, but it will not make our draft episode any worse, that's for sure. And we'll hit the ground running after that again. As always, thanks for listening to this episode of The Eyes Have It. I think that's uh, about wrap up time. Great to uh, be talking the futures game with Chris. And like we said, our next one will be focused on entirely on the MLB draft. So be sure to, to be sure to uh, look for that uh, in the coming days. You can always email us. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback or questions. You can contact us at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Chris is at C underscore blessing. And you can find me at Brent HQ. Um, remember to rate and review us uh, at the various pod catchers. And we appreciate your, your continued support and listening as we break down our live looks at prospects and how they will line up for your uh, keeper and dynasty league fantasy baseball team. I think that's it. Chris, have a great week. You as well. Hope everybody out there has an awesome week. Thank you.